I was the girl behind the scenes. You know, I loved being the help. I loved being the one who could take someone's very big, crazy dream and be like, this is our action plan to get there, um, which means that I could always be behind the scenes. I could always be the one who who wasn't focused on. Um, and that felt safe for me. It felt good. It felt like I could skirt around kind of the, you know, I could just like live in my own little shadow. There's what you think your business will be when you start it. And then there's what you know your business can be once you're in it. Very few small business owners start out with a clear vision of the potential for their business. I know I didn't. I didn't even realize I was starting a business in the first place. I thought I was starting a blog. Well, part-time blogging grew into full-time blogging. Full-time blogging turned into offering web design services. Web design grew into business coaching, strategy, and training. It's really only been in the last few years that I've had a clear picture of what the real opportunities are for my company. My guest this week also started with a pretty different picture of what her business was going to look like, but a coffee date with her boyfriend put her on a very different trajectory. You're listening to What Works, the show that goes behind the scenes of successful small businesses to tell you what's working for them so you can find what works for you. I'm your host, Tara McMullen. Lauren Caselli is an event planner and the founder of Lauren Caselli Events. In 2017, she had a wake-up call about what wasn't working with her business and made a plan to change it in 2018. Now that she's planning for even more growth in 2019, I wanted to talk with her about making big changes in her business. Lauren and I talk about what wasn't working for her before, how her relationship to her business has changed, what mindset shifts she experienced to create growth, and how the business itself has changed. Has your business undergone a big shift from kind of working to really working? Did you reach a breaking point and decide to shake things up for the better? I'd love to hear from you. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Tara underscore McMullen. Tag me or DM me and let me know what led up to the change. Now let's find out what works for Lauren Caselli. Lauren Caselli, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do some catching up. We're going to go through all the changes that you've made in your business. We're going to talk about all the fascinating things that are working for you today. Um, but as I just said, a lot has changed for you in the last year, year and a half. Um, and so I'd love to start off with what actually wasn't working. What did you discover wasn't working for you in your business uh, back in 2017? Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I have uh, always struggled with, and maybe it's me being an, uh, the last child of four, I'm the youngest of uh, four, four kids, um, is not uh, collaborating or not asking for help or not um, being in community with people who have the tools that I don't have. Um, and so in 2000, early 2017, just about kind of this time, I was still really focused on doing everything myself, being everything for everybody, not only in personal relationships, but also in business. Um, and so I was kind of the leader in my personal relationship. I was the only person in my business. I think I had one sort of contractor that I worked with a little bit. Um, and I wasn't working on collaborative projects with other creatives. I was just kind of staying in my own lane, focusing on what it, what I thought I needed to do. Um, and I was burnt out this time last year, I was burnt out, burnt out central. Um, so that was not working. And so the theme of 2017 for me was getting help. My theme word, I don't know if anybody does a theme word here, but uh, it was seen, S-E-E-N. Uh, and that was basically just getting over the discomfort of 
feeling seen. Uh, so having people look at my mess or, or not mess, um, but just getting comfortable with that. And so that was kind of the theme for all of last year. And it was awesome. It was amazing. Changed everything. Okay, cool. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper, because I think when people think about the word seen or being seen or visibility, they immediately go to marketing. And I think it's fascinating that you are looking at this from an internal perspective, from an operational perspective, from a team building perspective. What just talk us through a little bit more you know, how being seen was um, challenging for you, how that felt and uh, what you started to do to work through that. Yeah. So I, uh, I'm an event planner. And so my kind of go-to has always been, I was the girl behind the scenes. I worked, you know, I was always, you know, and I don't, I don't love this phrase, but a friend of mine said, we're always the help, which I always love. You know, I loved being the help. I loved being the one who could take someone's very big, crazy dream and be like, this is our action plan to get there, Um, which means that I could always be behind the scenes. I could always be the one who who wasn't focused on. Um, And that felt safe for me. It felt good. It felt like I could skirt around kind of the, you know, I could just like live in my own little shadow. Um, And in 2015, I started hosting my own events and being kind of the the visible person. And it was really sort of like shame inducing for me because people would come to these events, they would have a great experience. And instead of feeling proud that it was something I had created, I felt like I was a big fraud. And so I stopped hosting them maybe like a year ago um, because I was still kind of in this, everybody's looking at me and I don't want to be looked at. Um, And so internally, what that looked like in my relationship at the time and also kind of in my business was I was I had started the hiring process in uh, like maybe mid 2016 or knew that I needed to hire in mid 2016. But I abandoned it because my only thought was, what if someone comes into this business and looks at it and and tells me I'm doing everything wrong or looks at it and tell and is like, this girl doesn't know what she's doing. How has she built a business? Um, you know, with, with the, you know, with what she, you know, however I was doing it. And so it really prevented me from bringing someone onto my team, um, for like almost a year. Wow. That's yes. I can, first off, I can really relate (laughs) to that. Um, I know with hiring people, uh, that has often been my feeling. It has often been something in the back of my mind. And I really appreciate you articulating that. So obviously something has changed because you have hired now, you have someone working with you. Um, You have someone that's allowing you to do all sorts of really cool stuff that we're going to get to in a bit. So I'm curious, what was the process you used or how did you kind of wrap your mind around letting someone in? Uh, Did you just kind of dive into to that relationship with an employee? What, were there mindset things that you needed to get right first? What did that look like? Yeah. So I think for me, it was really about paying for help. Uh, so in the beginning of the year last year, I joined kind of a group accelerator to figure out how to launch a product. Um, and that for me, more than anything, less about launching the product and more about being in community with people and practicing being vulnerable, practicing uh saying this is what went really well this year or this month or this week or whatever and having that feedback and having those eyes on me in a small group setting made it a lot easier for me to go out and do it kind of in a larger group setting or in a Facebook group or something like that and similarly being able to share like 
I sent out this email and 30 people unsubscribed. Like that, saying that out loud to a group of people who were like, yep, I've been there. I totally know what you're talking about. And also not giving advice about like, hey, here's seven things you can do to do better was like game changing for me. And so that kind of like three month accelerator program was the beginning of being like, oh, I need more of this in my life. I need to be in community with people who understand where I want to go um, and also who can help identify with kind of that, that the hard stuff that goes with this is where I want to go and, and not saying like, well, at least X, Y, Z, at least your business is here, at least your business is this. Um, because that's what really was frustrating to me is when I would talk to someone and say, this is a I feel really sad or really scared about this part of my business. And there would be sort of this like, well, at least your business is running. And I'd be like, okay, you know what? <laughs> and so, um, so practicing being vulnerable and getting real kind of like feedback uh, was the first step. And then kind of after that ended, um, I, I got a one-on-one -on -one one coach uh, starting in April of last year and then continuing through the end of the year. And so again, just kind of consistently practicing being vulnerable, having someone not think that my problems were a big deal um, was like the game-changing piece of it. And so that led me to really focus on Hiring someone is just a process. It's just a practice and you're going to not be great at it at the beginning and you have to like forgive yourself for that. And then once you move through it, you're going to be great at it, but you have to get over this fear of, of being, you know, having someone come in and maybe give you negative feedback or maybe messing it up somehow. Like you just have to get over that fear. And so, um, I guess practicing the vulnerability for four months kind of helped me, uh, work through, the, you know, the unknown of what's it going to look like when there's someone on my team. And now, of course, it's amazing. But then at the time, I remember being like, she's going to come in and tell me everything is wrong and I'm doing a terrible job. Oh, like I said, I could totally relate to that. And I'm so glad that you called out that being seen, being vulnerable, asking for help is a practice. It's not a switch that you flip on and flip off. It's something that you need to build in. Um, or I should, should at least say in my experience, it's something I've needed to build mm -hmm. in on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to have those people, um, whether they're team members or whether they're mastermind buddies or whether they're just, you know, friends and people, you know, I can rely on where I am asking for help and where I am showing up the way I want to be seen or, or the way I don't want to be seen at the same time. Okay. So tell me about yeah. the day or the moment or the situation in which you decided now is the time it is time for me to hire someone. Yeah. So I think it's really vivid and it sort of starts with a okay. personal relationship story. Um, so I was in a coffee shop, my favorite coffee shop in Bozeman, Montana. It's called Treeline. If anyone's ever in Bozeman, check out Treeline. It's my favorite. Um, and a friend of mine owns it uh, and she loves coffee so much. And I was meeting my boyfriend at the time there for coffee. Um, I was I think I was like two weeks from my first ever product launch. Uh, and so I was like in the thick of writing. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was had spent a lot of money, like just kind of, you know, hiring help and doing all that stuff that you do when you do your first launch or when I did my first launch. Um, and so I was tired. I was exhausted. Um, and I, my partner at the time had started his own business. And as we all know, when you're starting your own business, you don't have a lot of cash. You're kind of like struggling. Um, and so we went out for coffee and I remember um, pulling out my wallet, or sorry, ordering our coffee. And then, 
you know, when you get coffee with someone, usually like you both pull out your wallet and someone's like, no, I'll take care of it or, you know, whatever. And so at that time, I remember pulling out my wallet and my partner mm. hadn't even made a move to pull out his wallet. And I remember thinking in my head, like, if I don't let go, this is the life that I'm going to have. Like, I'm going to be the one who's always paying for things, who's always leading things, who's always doing the one, being the one who is, you know, doing everything. And that was the moment where I was like, I need to let go. Like I need to let go and let someone else figure out whether it's finances, whether it's, you know, at the time, you know, the relationship piece. And then in my business too, I was like, I need to let go of some stuff and let someone else figure it out um, because I can't do it anymore. And so long story short, uh, that was, you know, we broke up later that day. I launched my course. I cried for an entire week after I launched that, uh, I hired the coach. And then, uh, basically when I hired my coach, I said, the only thing I want to do this year is figure out how to hire someone to help me because I can't do it all anymore. And I'm always going to be the one that's leading in a way that I don't want to lead. Um, and I've, I've built my own cage. And so, that was the moment as I was like, if I don't let go, it's always going to be like this. Wow. So. <laughs> um, I have not lived that exact scenario, but again, I can completely relate to that. And um, I just so appreciate you sharing the details of that and, and kind of like really bringing us into that moment because, oh man, I think we are presented with those those moments of situations where things become that clear. And I'm so glad that you used that as a point to pivot from and not just a point to dig in. <laughs> After the break, you'll hear exactly how Lauren's business is different than it was back in 2017. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks powers brands and businesses that bring people together. Growing a small business isn't easy. So why do we make it harder by cobbling together a bunch of different pieces of software just to talk to our customers and deliver our offers? If you have your content on one platform and your courses on another, while your customers hang out on yet another platform and your payments get routed through a completely different system, you're not alone. In fact, that's just how business was done for a long time in the digital small business world. Then Mighty Networks came along. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your content, courses, community, payments, and even events together on one easy-to-use platform. At What Works, we use it to share a behind-the-scenes look at how we do things, talk with our community members, plan events, and manage payments. I love that the core of our business is all together in one place. Plus, Mighty Networks makes it easy to access our network on mobile with our own app. If you're tired of doing extra work to shepherd your customers from app to app to app, it's time to build your Mighty Network. Get started with Mighty Networks free of charge by visiting MightyNetworks.com. Mighty Networks is the easiest way to take your business to the next level. Now here at What Works, we're all about honest conversations that shed a light on what's really working to run and grow small businesses today. Each week, my goal is to surprise you with a thoughtful, unconventional, or unexpected way small business owners like you are managing their businesses. But this podcast is just the tip of the iceberg. At the What Works Network, we're diving deep into honest conversations about small business ownership 24-7. There's no hype, no BS, and certainly no 
no get rich quick schemes. The network is full of experienced small business owners like you exploring what works for them by discovering what works for others. It's private, it's focused, and it's real. Learn more about the What Works Network and request your invitation to join us at explorewhatworks.com slash network. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. Okay, so let's let's talk about the sort of structural differences uh, between your business today and your business a year or a year or a year and a half ago. What are you doing differently today, sort of from a bird's eye view? I mean, we don't we love the nitty gritty here, but like for the purposes right. of this part of the conversation, let's steer away from the nitty gritty and just look structurally bird's eye view. How is your business different today than it was a year and a half ago? Yeah. So today we rest more, meaning we take, uh, or I decided probably at the end of last year that events are really, if it hasn't, if anyone's hosted an event or been to an event, they're really draining. Like, even if you're the most extrovert of extroverts, like they're draining, they're a lot. And I don't think I was taking that into account. Um, and we were doing like eight to 12 events a year. I think in 2016, we did like 16 events, which, you know, that's almost two a month. It's, you know, two for some months. And that's, you know, it's a lot. They're not just one day events. They're usually multi-day events. And so we really committed to doing a big rate hike, um, really getting into all of our clients' events and only working with clients who had larger events um, and also larger event budgets. Um, And that really was so, A, we could pay, you know, I could pay my team more. Um, I could rest more, um, and we could focus on other projects. Um, I love hosting dinners and small, small group events for entrepreneurs. And I didn't do that at all in 2017. Um, and so we're ready to do that or sorry, 2018. Um, and we're ready to do that again, uh, in this, this year, just because we have you know, more money to, you know, kind of save and focus on, you know, I don't want to say side projects, but projects that aren't yet revenue generating. Uh, and B, we have more time and more space to rest. Um, so that's really kind of what we're doing is prioritizing rest and then prioritizing the things that are going to grow our business, maybe not tomorrow, but in six months, eight months, 12 months. Um, so the word this year is vital. So basically like, stripping anything away that doesn't fall under those parameters and only doing the things that are, that we are committed to on our, you know, monthly, quarterly, um, yearly goal planning worksheets that we do. Got it. Oh, I want to hear more about that then. But, um, (laughs) uh, one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, anytime you raise your rates, you pull back on, um, you know, the number of offers or the number of deals that you're doing. Um, I think that, tends to go part and parcel with having a change in your clientele. Are you working with different mm-hmm. types of clients today? Yeah. I, so oddly, so this, which is still something I don't really understand because I'm not a, I'm not a huge metrics person. Um, but we started maybe about a year ago, started getting inquiries from tech clients um, out of the Bay Area. Um, Bozeman, Montana is kind of this odd place where um, we had a, one company here who's, that started uh, like in maybe in the 90s, they sold to Oracle in 2012. And since then, it's sort of like created this, you know, a lot of spinoff small like tech company. So there's this weird like tech vibe here, even though we're only a community of about 100,000 people. Um, so I started like picking up a couple tech clients locally um, to kind of get my feet wet. And then all of a sudden, what happened was I 
like started writing about some of my tech clients or kind of, you know, best practices for tech client um, or tech events. And what ended up happening was people started Googling like tech event planner. And I started getting a bunch of clients in the Bay Area. Um, And so we ended up like really um, like primarily having and this year we primarily have clients out of the Bay Area um, and who are uh, technology you know, technology companies. Um, so I don't work as much with creative entrepreneurs um, like I used to. Uh, now we work primarily with tech companies and that fuels us and that allows us and gives us the capital to do side projects and, you know, fun things that we want to try and and launch. And um, it gives us just a little more breathing room than, um, and more margin, I guess, white space. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so uh, let's start getting into the nitty gritty a little bit. How is your day as a leader now for an employee and for this new kind of clientele? How is your day on a day to day basis different than it was a year ago? What are the kinds of things that you're spending time on regularly now? Yeah, so one of the things that, um, and I don't know if this is, uh, one of the things that we've, I have really focused on is setting boundaries. Um, and I have some great clients who are also boundary setters, which I love, which makes it really easy for us to set boundaries. We do, we do still have like one or two holdover clients that we're finishing with who don't have great boundaries. <laughs> um, but, but working with those clients and working with other clients, it's so, it's so clear to see the difference between someone who doesn't have great boundaries and someone who does. Um, and so it's been really helpful to kind of, you know, feel that out when we're doing client inquiries to see, you know, do they, do they answer emails at three in the morning? Are they sending last minute emails at midnight? Like, do they, you know, send me text messages instead of email? Like what, you know, what are the things that we really makes us excited and what are the things that make us really stressed out? Um, and so, uh, the day-to-day piece for us looks like, which is so funny because I remember when I started my business being like, I'm never going to work a nine to five. I'm only going to work when I want to work. And now I'm like, we start work at nine and we finish at five and that's it. We don't work on the weekends unless we're doing, you know, like fun, exciting projects that like our side hustles. I like, I like to call them like business side hustles, things that, you know, need a little more creative space. Um, but yeah, so we start working at nine. Sometimes we take off an hour for lunch or, you know, we'll have a brainstorming meeting for two hours in the middle of the day, but we really keep our hours to normal working hours. Um, I try to prioritize celebration, um, which means like if Jamie, who's my, uh, who's our associate event planner, like if we get through a goal or we did a huge event in LA last year, like at the end of that, I was like, everybody's getting massages. Like <laughs> we're not ever, you know, we're, we're just really celebrating the difficult times uh, at work. So what that looks like day to day is like, I wake up at 6am, I do my workout, I write in my journal, I do all the things that I need to do to get my mind right. And then at 9am, we do our best to like focus. And then at 5pm, we shut down, I connect with my partner, I, you know, hang out with friends, um, I watch a movie. um, But it's really like the structure that I need to run a business that I never really had the first like two or three years because it was just so all over the place. Um, And now we really we prioritize structure, we prioritize boundaries. And thus, that means, you know, it's not sexy, it's real boring. And so I, you know, I think you know, a long time, you know, in the beginning of my business, I was just, I was like, you know, this is what business owners look like. You work whenever you want, you work all the time. And now the way that we work every day is, uh, consistent, it's, um, structured and, um, 
it leaves us a lot of room to be able to be creative, um, kind of because we have more rest. Mm. It strikes me that, cause this is, again, this is very similar to my experience that as we take, start to take our businesses more seriously, as we start to make more mature, sophisticated decisions about where our businesses are going, becoming a business owner or being a business owner looks a lot more like having a job. <laughs> Then, then, um, like the, the feet up on the beach with the laptop, you know, the, the Sandy laptop lifestyle. (laughs) Um, and yeah, there is nothing sexy about it. And at the same time, I think it's like the sexiest thing in the world. Like tell me about your nine to five, (laughs) you know, um, are you working with your, uh, associate event planner, in an office? Are you guys both working from home and then you're connecting digitally and and some locally? How does, what does that look like? Yeah, totally. So like, this is another like shame, shame, shame. I felt so much shame about this for like the first three or four months until my employee finally was like, you don't really have to worry about it. Like, this is not a big deal for me. I'm, I mean, she's still in college. She's like kind of a non-traditional student. So she's finishing her degree this semester. Um, and she's like part-time, but Like for so long, I was just like, oh, we don't have an office space. So she would like come to my house and work, you know, in the beginning, I would train her like in my living room. Um, And I was like, oh, this is so unprofessional. People are looking at like, people are going to think I'm a terrible business owner, like just all of these things that, you know, we would meet in coffee shops, we would work virtually most of the time. Um, It was sort of a mess. There was no structure um, at the beginning, because I was just kind of failing forward. Um, And now we have weekly Monday kind of meetings, Uh, we talk about... (laughs) which my partner always laughs when he hears me on these calls. We talk about like what we want to accomplish today and what our wins are and all that, you know, fun kind of like, you know, hippy dippy, like goal setting stuff. Um, And then uh, primarily we work remotely. And then when we have like big event months, like we'll have in-person meetings maybe once a week. Um, So we have meetings on Fridays in person and touch bases on Monday mornings over the phone. Um, And because we live in a small town, we, you know, Again, for a long time, I was like a real ashamed we didn't have office space. Uh, and now I'm just like, we're doing the best we can. And when office space presents, you know, we start, we've started looking for office space because I do want to work with her more in person, especially as we kind of build our content archives this year. Um, but I have kind of let go of the fact that it needs to look or the idea that it needs to look a certain way and just kind of uh, have told her, like, we're going to keep our eye out for something great. And until something great presents itself. We're not going to, we're not going to stress about it. And she is awesomely fine with that. She like cares way less about the things that I think she would have cared about when I first hired her. Wow. That's yeah. That's great to hear. Um, a few minutes back, you mentioned, uh, the kind of quarterly and weekly and monthly planning that you guys do. Um, and since you are event planners and planning is your specialty, I'd love to know what that looks like from you. Cause uh, yeah. since I also personally, I should say have experienced how magnificent of an event planner you are. Um, I need to know what does that look like for you? How do you do it? How involved is your employee? Um, and what kind of results have you generated from your planning? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question because this is the first year, I guess, that I've done it where Jamie's been on board. And I have a really great friend who um, just kind of came into my life recently and is kind of one of those amazing business owners that lives in Bozeman that I'm also like, oh my gosh, you and I are on the same kind of like, we have the same vision for what our businesses can be. Um, and she had this really great story about how she tried to do you know, like, um, 
strategic and vision, or I guess vision planning with her employee. And she said the whole time he was just looking at me being like, do you think this is a good idea? And that's when she realized like, oh, I need to be the, the leader of this. And so that was like, I think, you know, I tried to do it with my employee quarterly previous, um, but it was always something where, where she, I mean, she's not a business owner. She's really great at executing. And so it was really hard for us to, for me to like do the collaborative planning that I think I in my head wanted to do with her because she's, she's like the executor. She wanted to be like, you know, she didn't, she didn't, it just wasn't in her wheelhouse to kind of do the visioning with me. And so, uh, when I, you know, kind of turned the corner on, uh, 2019, I realized that, you know, I was going to have to set the vision and then she and I were going to have to sit down to kind of like talk through what that looked like month after month, um, or quarter after quarter. And so the way that we do it is we, um, and I, you know, Molly Mayhar, uh, does her strategy planning and I use that for business planning, um, and personal planning. Um, so that's all in December, write down all the goals, write down what we want to accomplish. And then we kind of like, I kind of place them into quarters, um, in 2019. And then we do kind of a, you know, meeting in the beginning of the year. And we have that starting or we have our meeting tomorrow for Q1. And we talk about like, here's what we need to do in Q1. Here are the two, like top two themes. And this, this, the top two themes this quarter are content and fitness. Um, and so fitness means like, you know, for me personally, but also like fitness in our, you know, in our company, like, are we resting? Are we sleeping? Are we, you know, working too much, like kind of noticing uh, our pattern this, this quarter. Um, and then also de delivering a lot of content. That's the other kind of like theme. Um, and then uh, breaking the quarterly goals down and then placing them per month. So we have six quarterly goals and then two, roughly two per month. It's kind of like one January to February uh, and then three in, three in March. Um, so that's how we do it. And then we reevaluate at the end of the quarter. Same thing happens in Q2. We pick like six or eight goals, place them in the quarter and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the hope for the best, what are you doing to track your goals or your progress towards your goals throughout the quarter? Ugh. Um, I basically write them down and then put them in front of my okay. face. Uh, <laughs> I'm not like a huge, you know, I'm not a great budgeter. I'm not really great at like some of that, like, uh, I really, I struggle to write down my workouts every day. Like, it's just not, I'm, I'm real bad at it. Uh, and I think I'm just okay. I'm just going to be okay with it this year. But mostly if I keep it, if I look at it every day, if I read it every morning or, you know, a couple times a week, if it's on the paper in front of me, that keeps me from getting lost in my email, responding mm. to emails, you know, hour after hour. Um, and it makes me look up and say, oh, we have to do one blog post, one newsletter, one Facebook live and five Instagram posts this week. Like, when are you going to get that done? Uh, and so that it's sort of just, you know, whatever's in front of my face is what I, is what I do. Um, and that's part of, you know, putting out fires as an event planner. It's kind of, you just see like, okay, this needs to get taken care of right now. Um, so if it's not in front of my face, like I can't, I won't get it done. And so it's really just about it being visible, seeing it and recommitting to it, even when. You know, like yesterday, I had three goals. One was finish like a a uh, agenda for a, a client event in two weeks. Uh, one was sending out an email to my list, and one was writing a blog post. And I didn't get the blog post done, and so you better believe that that's the first goal today. It's like finish that dang post. We got to commit to this. So I think that's such a great insight that you just put it in front of your face because how many of us? 
complain about the fact that, you know, our inbox is what drives our day or our clients are what drives our day. And why? It's because it's what's in front of our face, right? So what if we just swap that out or even just layer on top of the thing that's actually more important right now? Um, that is certainly some goal setting and tracking that I can get behind. <laughs> that is very yeah. much my style. It's um, why I'm focusing on bullet journaling right now, because if I have if, I have, if that's my plan or if that's my note taking place, then yes, those tasks, those goals that are most important are in front of my face. And and you're right. When they're there, I prioritize them just like I prioritize email instead if that's the only thing that I'm looking at. So I uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, all right. As we start to wrap up here today, I want to make sure that we hit the mindset piece of this equation. Because with all the growth that you've experienced over the last year, with the changes that you've made, with all the steps forward that you've taken toward your goals, um, I'm sure that you've been on sort of a mindset roller coaster. And I know that the way we think about our businesses can uh, can change and evolve so much as we take the kind of actions that you've taken over this last year. So how has the way you think about your business changed? What are some of the things that you are, um, what are some of the things kind of on your mind today um, or influencing the way you act today that were not in place or maybe the opposite were in place a year or a year and a half ago? Yeah. So that's kind of this year uh, or this past year has been um, one of the things that I have really been focused on is finding the people who have a similar vision for their business that I have for my business and living in a small town or living in a community where, um, you know, there's just, there's just not a lot of actual people who believe kind of the things that I believe in, you know, in terms of business. Well, and and here's an example. I feel like if I, you know, there's a, there's this kind of like trope in the business world that like you work all the time and it's really hard and you, you just got to like kind of, you know, work till midnight and work 16 hour days and you'll hustle. And I like hate that because part of me is like, no, I do not want to work 16 hour days. I want to rest. I want to take more naps and I don't want, you know, people like, you know, I don't want to be subject to other people's, you know, um, like nervousness around, you know, things that are happening. And so um, I've really committed to a only working kind of from a client relationship to with people who understand that um, we are experts at what we do. We, we don't, you know, we, we don't need to do the tasks that you think we need to do because it's, you know, stressing you out. That doesn't mean that it needs to happen right now. Um, and also in a community perspective, um, really being in community with people who have bigger visions for their business instead of like, if I get to this level, I can just stay there. And living in a small community where there's not a ton of kind of that available, you know, jobs, you know, I live in the kind of a ski town. Um, and most people are like, if I ski every day, that's like living my best life, which is awesome. I'm glad for them, but not, not super, not what we're kind of going for. Um, so it's been really, really important for me to like, look on the internet to make internet friends, um, find people who in my community who have similar visions for their business, um, and just ask them all the questions I can ask them in terms of like, you know, what's your, what's your revenue goal this year? Tell me about that. You know, how do you make that, 
you know, happen? How do you, you know, if you're running an agency, like how do you pay your employees? Like what's the most important thing for you when you're making hiring decisions? Um, and so just being in community with people who have that next level mindset has helped me realize that it's possible. Mm, I love that you're speaking my language for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Lauren, what's next for you? What are you really excited about for 2019? Yeah. So like I said, we had, uh, we had really taken a big step back on hosting our own events in 2018 and even 2017. Um, and so we, there was a post recently, Sarah Von Bargen made this post about, you know, the things that work for you will always work for you. The things that don't work for you probably won't going forward. And I just remember loving hosting those events, but feeling like I wasn't ready for all that attention. Mm. Um, and so this year we're really, really committed to continuing or continuing on and hosting events kind of in a smaller, more dinner, like, you know, uh, dinner for entrepreneur sort of setting, maybe 20 people at most. Um, but those are in the schedule. Those are kind of like one of the most important things, um, because in-person connections are our love language. It's what we do. It's what we love. Um, it's where I shine. Um, and so we kind of took a big step back from those last year and I miss them. So, uh, we'll, we're hosting quarterly, uh, events and dinners, um, locally in Bozeman. And then we have a couple planned for kind of like conferences that I'm traveling to, to kind of host, to tag onto those conferences. So we're really excited. And then, then also like the content around that, like, you know, I think a lot of people want to do in-person experiences and events, but maybe they live in small towns or maybe they live in communities where there aren't a ton of like their people, um, so kind of reporting back on that experience and how it goes and if it's great and if it's not great and, um, and really just like tracking that progress in a more visible way. I love that. Well, I hope that maybe if not this year, sometime soon, I can get to one of those events in Bozeman because one, yeah. I love Bozeman too. I love you. And three, those events sound awesome. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Well, Lauren Caselli, thank you so much for shedding a light on all the changes that you've made and and how that uh, how it's really helped your business to grow into a whole new chapter of its life. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Find out more about Lauren Caselli and Lauren Caselli events at laurencaselli.com. This episode was produced by me, Tara McMullen, and edited by Marty Seafeld. Our theme music is by The Shrugs. Find over 170 other episodes with small business owners at whatworkspodcast.com.